leader is Amanda. Hi guys, I wasn't um, I wasn't expecting such a quick transition to the speaker. <laughs> my, some of my home meetings, there's there's a, quite a lot of uh, uh, preamble before the speaker goes. So, um, thank you for having me. Um, this is uh, I don't often get up to San Francisco for meetings. I live on the peninsula in San Mateo, so um, that's where most of my meetings are that I go to during the week, but um, every now and then I love getting up to this meeting. Um, I feel like it's a very special experience, um, a unique experience, um, having released um, or have to release um, 100 pounds or more um, that is, uh, I find, quite um, a lot of fellowship and camaraderie in that particular um, subset of, of my OA people. So um, to qualify and, and to give you all the numbers and things, um, I, I found Overeaters Anonymous in uh, February of 2015. Um, so I've been in program a little a smidge under two years. And um, I started on the peninsula where um, the HOW program is very active. And so I wandered into HOW meeting, worked the HOW program for a year and a half, and about um, six months ago transitioned over to regular OA. I still um, work a HOW food plan, so my abstinence, for those of you that um, are curious about that kind of thing, is um, I do not eat uh, sugar, white flour. Um, I have a weighed and measured food plan and I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, with the exception of if I am on a long distance backpacking or some sort of um, physical requirements for a snack. And my sponsor and I have worked out what those parameters are <laughs> so that my disease is not sneaky with that. Um, and another thing that I wanted to mention is um, around exercise. I do not compulsively exercise in a way that feels punitive or that feels like I'm trying to manipulate my numbers, calories in, calories out, or um, that feels like I'm punishing myself for some sort of food transgression. I only uh, move my body in ways that feel um, like it's a, a spiritual practice and a practice of honoring um, my body and all it's done for me. So those are kind of my parameters. I um, have released over 100 pounds in this program. So, um, and I forgot my pictures. I'm so sorry. Um, that's always... Uh, hard for me to share, but I know in, uh, very valuable for people um, to see, especially the newcomers uh, around physical recovery. So um, I feel like a mess today. Um, I, I, I internally feel like a mess today. And um, as I was thinking, like, oh, first I, I, my disease was telling me, this is exactly the wrong day to share in an OA meeting because you are a disaster. Um, and then I was like, hmm, maybe this is the right day to share an OA meeting. Um, because despite feeling all these big feelings and big anxiety and big, you know, uh, stuff, um, I am abstinent today. And I did not turn to the food. I didn't even think about turning to the food. Uh, and um, I remember, you know, just over two years ago, not thinking that was something that was in the universe of possibility, um, getting through life without my drug was not um, not something that I was willing to entertain. So um, being able to flip my perspective on my day and what I may or may not have to share is a, a wonderful gift of program. So um, a lot of you have heard maybe my share before. I'm just going to breeze through the what it was like portion because I really want to talk actually a lot about today 
and the tools that I use to get through this day, which has been shitty and a hot, oh, oh, sorry, podcast, um, which has been difficult and uh, getting through it without food um, and how on earth uh, do I, did I do that today um, with my higher powers help and with all of you. So um, my childhood, I was, I was raised by a mother who um, had lots of body image stuff, lots of weight control stuff. Um, but she, uh, she is an alcoholic. My father is a compulsive overeater, addiction all throughout my family, um, maladaptive ways of handling feelings. I was a very sensitive little child. Also, I was curly brown hair with um, curves, and all of my little friends were tiny little boyish-figured blonde things that didn't, you know, grow <laughs> above five feet until they were, like, 18. I shot up when I was, like, 10. <laughs> so, um... I always felt uh, very different. I always felt very isolated in that difference, and I always felt like something was wrong with me. Um, my mother trying desperately to control my figure so I wouldn't have a weight problem like her um, fueled the uh, diet binge cycle, and that's how I learned um, how to uh, torture and punish myself through a combination of restriction and binging. And then also um, all the emotional, I call it the, uh, the gremlins or the, uh, the real estate that gets taken up around food and dieting and weight and should and shouldn't and comparison and all of the nasty stuff that comes along with our disease. Um, I dieted and binged my way from probably the age of, I went on my first diet in sixth grade. Well, I didn't. My mom put me on my first diet when I was in sixth grade. And uh, on and off, on and off, um, you name them, we went on them together kind of thing. And um, even after leaving, you know, the home to go to college and, and grad school and all of these things, I perpetuated that cycle because that's all I knew. Um, and, uh, Finally, in my uh, late 20s, I had a thought of, like, um, what would life be like if I wasn't so focused on dieting and weight and food and should I eat this or shouldn't I eat this? I mean, I felt like I was almost paralyzed around making food decisions because I had so much information of all the diets and books that I had read that said, eat this, don't eat that. And um, I was like, I don't think this is normal. And uh, I, just decided, I just decided to stop dieting, which was kind of my first decision that led me into these rooms. And when I stopped dieting, my compulsive overeating was like, yeah, <laughs> we have free reign. And um, I gained a rapid amount of weight in a rapid amount of time and was completely and totally freaked out. But I held the line around not dieting because um, I knew somewhere deep down that that was just, uh, I was just trying to punish myself. And uh, when I moved from Los Angeles, which is a very tough place to be 100, 100 pounds overweight, um, very tough, more tough than I would say other places, um, although I don't think anywhere is easy. Um, I moved up here, and uh, a therapist had suggested Overeaters Anonymous to me like a year and a half prior, and I was like, why would I want to go out myself to a group of people like I thought it was a secret you know that um that I had issues with food that maybe only my best friend and mother knew about but um uh, I finally came into these rooms and I was fortunate enough to walk into a meeting that was a speaker meeting 
and um, was blown away uh, when the speaker shared um, my story. And I um, saw somebody sitting there who had abstinence, she had recovery, she had um, not a perfect life, but she was honest and she had tools that didn't involve having to put things uh, into her mouth that she knew wouldn't solve the actual problems that she was facing. So um, thus began my journey with OA, and um, I got abstinent right away. Well, maybe like a week in, uh, after my fr I was told go to a couple meetings first. Went to about four or five, got a sponsor, um, started working a food plan, and um, pretty quickly when I put down the flour and the sugar and just the volume, right, I put down all of, all of my addict stuff, um, I was overwhelmed with feelings of anxiety. And what the heck, where did this come from? Um, not thinking of myself as an anxious person, that was not part of my self-concept. And here come all these feelings of um, uh, just fear and confusion and um, worried about everything and everyone. And I was just, I, I was like, we need to really quickly get me some tools on how to deal with this. Because um, when food was my most common reaction to life, and you take away my food, um, I started to see very clearly why diets had never worked for me because something would happen sooner or later that made it impossible for me not to eat over it. And um, having daily contact with my sponsor who, you know, Lord help her, I was a disaster for the first like six or seven months. Like, what do I do about this? And, oh. <laughs> um, and a lot of it was the tools of the program. Make an outreach call, go to a meeting, write about it, work a step around it, admitting you're powerless over it, pray to your higher power over it, do things other than pick up the food. Um, and I did those things. I did what I was told. Um, I was blessed with the gift of desperation and I was willing to do whatever I was told in this program by the people who had what I wanted. So in that way, I was very teachable. Um, today, the f fast forward, you know, kind of a year, um, almost two years into program, and um, it looks very different than it did the first six months. Um, it's less about the food and pink cloud. I, you know, I know uh, what's my food and what's not my food. Um, and my disease shows up in more subtle ways and tries to get me to eat over things. Um, it, uh, it goes like, uh, it looks like you know, standing too long in certain aisles of the grocery store where you, one knows that is not my food and reading the ingredients and going, is sugar the fifth or the sixth <laughs> ingredient on that? And then going, whoa, whoa, like this is, um, this is yellow light behavior, right? So um, it's getting more refined and more in tune with the ways in which, um, with, with what, what sober means to me. Um, it doesn't just look like putting down the obvious things. It looks like catching myself when I'm trying to, um, to do those things. And, and always then I have to ask myself, what's going on? when I'm standing in that grocery aisle and I'm trying to play the numbers game with is it fifth or sixth ingredient on that food item. Um, and usually that food <laughs> is in, in, a, in a form 
that's very triggering to me, in a texture that's very triggering to me, and in a, in a way that I am very reluctant to, to weigh and measure it. Um, and I know that, and I'm looking at it anyway. Um, I have had to put down certain foods that are technically on my food plan because they become too interesting. And they become too, uh, they become too um, sexy. To, they become, they start to take up the real estate. And if I'm starting to take it back up the real estate in my head around a food item, around a behavior around food, um, or around um, a punitive thought around something I did around food, then it needs to go. Because I'm not willing to sacrifice the life that I have now for the life that I had before where my world was very small. Um, emotionally, socially, and in the amount of time and energy I spent in, in, uh, in the disease. So uh, today, um, there were several hard things that I did today that um, recovery, <laughs> recovery is not easy. <laughs> um, not eating and doing something for, uh, to set up a boundary with somebody who maybe doesn't like the boundary that you're setting up, that is not easy. Going to the store and eating something, in my opinion, is much easier. Um, it creates a harder life for me in that I'm miserable. My body um, is harder. It's, it's not a loving thing to do with my body. But um, I have a coworker. I'll tell you the story. I have a coworker who is brand new to our team. She's about three months in. And she's struggling with our boss. She's struggling with the style. She's struggling with making it work. And I have been identified as somebody that she confides in about this struggle and asks for advice. Um, but after three months of this, I have noticed um, that she is, no, uh, she is not interested in really acting uh, on her behalf to make it better. She just kind of wants somebody to vent on. At the same time, I have also um, hyper aware that my own energy and my own um, spirit and reserves are being daily, daily zapped by this. Um, in my disease and in my family of origin, there is a strong pull toward who do you think you are for standing up for yourself? Who do you? No, no, no. This girl needs you. She needs you. She won't survive without you. Be there for her blah, 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 you know, all these things, yet I know that this behavior and this uh, relationship is exacting a toll. So today, um, I said very gently to her, Rhonda, I want to support you. I am here if you want to talk about a solution, but I can no longer participate in just the unbridled venting. It's distracting from my work, and it's distracting from my personal energy. Don't want you to take this as... Um, you know, punitive or feedback. I said, but, but you've got to figure out a way to solve this that doesn't involve being in my office a couple hours a day. And she, um, she didn't like it. She immediately went to a place of, I'm so sorry, you know, I, I did blah, 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 blah. And so now I'm dealing with her emotional reaction, which I have learned also to put up a boundary on. Um, prior to program, I would have never ever done this, what would have gone like prior to program is I would have dealt with it every day while cultivating a very lovely little resentment 
that would have built and built and built over time. And I would have taken up my out of work airtime bitching about her bitching to my <laughs> friends, to my anyone who will listen. Now I've taken on her stuff. All the while, probably my dinner is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, my snacks increasing in the afternoon as my emotional reserves deplete and deplete and deplete. Um, I can't afford, if I'm going to stay recovered, to allow this kind of thing in my life. And what that means is flexing muscles around self-care and around boundaries and around speaking up for myself and around being okay despite the fact that somebody else doesn't like a boundary. This was not okay in my family. This was not okay in my life. And with the help of you all and watching you do it courageously and watching you find other ways to deal with life instead of eating um, and seeing that you live to tell another story another day and it's the world won't end and it will be fine and P.S. you'll be happier. Um, gives me uh, not only the models to do this, but, um, but also the, uh, the, the strength and, and the courage. So that's one thing I did today. Another thing I did today was um, <laughs> the boss that she complains about, she's not wrong. This woman is nutso. <laughs> and I have to deal with her on a daily basis. And she had us in an eight-hour team meeting today that was basically... Um, uh, her way of kind of passive aggressively trying to control uh, um, some certain things that are going on in the environment. And this was very painful for me to sit through and to have to try to, you know, toe the corporate line and my boss is asking me to be here, but I don't really want to be here. Um, and pre-program, what this would have looked like was roiling and boiling and roiling and boiling and how can I control what my boss is doing or what somebody else is doing or what this person's doing so that I'm okay. And I would, have, I would have spent so much time and energy and emotional stuff while eating to soothe myself, um, trying to manipulate the outcome so that I get what I want. I get on the project that I want to be on because I deserve to be on it. Um, you know, all this really um, controlling, manipulative, selfish kind of stuff that... Uh, P.S. Nobody ever did what I wanted them to do. Uh, nothing ever really went the way that I wanted it to go. Um, this time now in recovery, what it looks like is doing a simple prayer in the morning and asking my higher power to be with me throughout the day. This is going to be a tough day. Please be by my side. If it feels like the right thing, give me the courage to say something. If it doesn't, tap me on the shoulder and tell me it's not the time and turning it over. Turning it over is a tool of the program that allows me to not play master of the universe and, uh, and also take on all of the uh, weight that I imagine master of the universe would feel um, around outcomes and people and okayness and all of that. The other thing I did today, I'm telling you guys, this day was like real, real, real heavy, is that I... Um, uh, listened to my intuition and I ended a dating relationship that was making me feel icky. And I had all kinds of internal debates with myself because what, what I'm noticing now in this phase of program is that my higher power will speak to me in kind of feelings and in guidance and in whispers and in uh, subtleties and my disease or my addict brain or my super ego or whatever you want to call it, there's many, many names for it, 
uh, monkey mind uh, will then argue with my higher power, with my intuition. And so what was happening today, to be very vulnerable and tell you what was happening, was my intuition was saying, this person feels very unhealthy and, and, and too needy, and it, they're sucking the energy from you. They're not a healthy partner. You need to let it go. And my super ego, five minutes, mm -hmm. and, my, and my disease goes, yeah, but at least they're calling and texting and giving you attention, so this is probably all you can expect to get mm -hmm. um, because you're unworthy and you're huge and you're this and no one will ever love you. So stick it out. This is, you know, you just swallow the annoyance. This is all you can expect. And my intuition goes, mm, I don't really think so. And then this one goes, blah, 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 you know, on and on and on and on. And so this goes on. Um, when I first got into program, this went on for like a couple weeks, this debate. Um, and then now, uh, as I progress in, re in, in recovery, as soon as I notice the debate, I say, oh, Nope, because intuition is synonymous for me with higher power. And a higher power is in charge. We do what higher power says, not what Amanda says. Super ego is Amanda. And uh, higher power is my intuition. So uh, what this looked like was me getting the courage to say to this person, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I, I don't want to hurt you, but this is not for me. And then going, ah, you know, oh. <laughs> because... Um, you know, there's a, uh, I also don't really enjoy um, uh, the responses to some of these things that I've gotten in the past. So I, um, I've also gotten up the courage to uh, have that conversation and then remove myself. Because guess what? I don't need to be the receptacle for somebody else's upsetness. Um, these are all the things that I, I don't view them as optional. Uh, anymore. I used to kind of debate, well, you know, I'm just going to let it see and let it play out. No, because the longer I allow people in my life or work or whatever to take up the place that compulsive overeating thoughts used to take up, I'm still sick. I'm not emotionally recovering and I'm not figuring out how to do life on life's terms and to follow my higher powers intuition and I'm just white knuckling my abstinence. And that's not what I want. I want happy, joyous, and free. I want to be living from a place of serenity and groundedness and rootedness and have uh, a lot to give back from that space. Um, so, you know, it was, a, it was a crazy hard day for me because these things are not natural for me yet. They are brand new. They are freaking tough as hell. And I have a lot of guilt around boundaries and I have a lot of stuff and this is all the next layer of my recovery and this is all um, my higher power showing me um, a different way of being. And I trust that these things will get easier for me, um, that I will learn different and new ways of dealing with that discomfort from you all and um, I don't have to eat over it today. And... Um, I hope that uh, for the newcomers that you heard something that you resonated with and or that was helpful. And um, for those of you that have heard my story, I'm hoping it wasn't the same. <laughs> and uh, if you didn't hear uh, what you needed to hear, uh, keep coming back and, and you will. It's been my experience. Thank you for letting me share.